Hi, my name is Jordan Lytle, and welcome back to the Collected Nonsense Podcast, a podcast about music, games, and other nonsense. With me, I have my co-host, Zachary Bruno. Zachary, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you? Tired, but pretty good. Awesome. What have you been up to this week? Uh, lately, it's really been the same old thing with Starbucks, but um, music-wise, it's been pretty fun. Um, I started working. Actually, I didn't start. I kind of started finishing up a project that I had with a friend in Montana who I met on Twitter, um, and he uh, wanted me to do a piano part for one of his vocal songs. I think I mentioned that earlier on in one of the last podcasts. And then, um, and now he kind of wanted me to do kind of an instrumental interlude between the the last song and then the, the song before it on his upcoming album. Uh, so that's kind of what I've been working on lately. Cool. So how did that go? Did that go well? It's going pretty good. It's it's really fun. Um, it's challenging, but it's a good kind of challenging. I kind of like it. So is it, it, are any of the things you're working on a little bit different style than what you're normally doing, or is it kind of the same thing? They are definitely different than my solo piano project because obviously it's just, my solo piano is just solo piano, and the stuff I'm working on now is instrumental. But, um, but as far as like different from what I've been doing in the past, not really. I mean, I've kind of been doing that already with my Koi Reef ambient chill-out piano-driven project. Um, so not not entirely different. I think having done that, I kind of have a context for doing other instrumental stuff. So that was kind of convenient, but um, it's been... That's good. Yeah, it's, it's, been pretty, it's been pretty good. Cool. So I haven't really been up to a whole lot this past week, just been trying to catch up on everything after getting back from vacation and all that. Oh, right, Washington. So. Yeah, I'm still trying to catch up on all the news and everything, but, you know. Yeah, what is in the news anyway? I don't hardly check it. Uh, Well, I mean, the mainstream news, I, I don't know. I don't pay that much attention to it, but I'm just trying to catch up on some of the video game-related news and stuff like that. There have been a few interesting things, but I guess we'll talk about that in the game section here in a bit. The game section. Yep. So for now, we'll talk about music. What music have you been listening to this week? So we have a new band for me. Um, it's not not really new, but it's uh, it's new for me. So I call that new. Um, the band name is Bethel Music, and I'm sorry, <laughs> what was that? It's a uh, Bethel Music. Okay. So this is um, a worship band or a group, as they call it, um, and it's kind of your typical worship band but with but it's i don't know something about it makes it so much cooler and i think it's because they focus a lot on the instrumental part of their songs it seems like um but really cool band you should check them out uh they have some really really popular pieces and i think most likely you've already heard of them um if you're listening so it's one of those songs that i may have heard um, one of their most recent songs is called No Longer Slaves, um, but a really, really popular one is called You Make Me Brave. Okay. It's I'll have to go listen to it. I'm not sure I've actually heard it before. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, uh, Bethel Music, check it out. Cool. So are you going to add some of that to the Spotify playlist, I'm assuming? Yep, I am. Okay. So you can find that there. Yep. You could find it. You, yeah, you can find it now since you're listening to it, but. Not now, since we're recording. I can't find it now, but the listeners can. Yeah, true. 
All right. So I haven't listened to a ton of music, but I did listen to some Tom Waits this week. I heard some of his songs a while back and been meaning to go back and listen to a bunch of his stuff. Have you ever listened to any Tom Waits? I haven't. Okay, so he has a very interesting style. A lot of it's, it's really hard to describe. It's very unique. It's, some of it's kind of bluesy, some of it's kind of jazzy, and some of it's just his own thing. It's really interesting. Huh. So I think one of my favorite songs by him is uh, Eggs and Sausage, and it's just singing about like a diner and stuff like that. And another one that I really like is Green Grass. So both of those would be worth listening to. It's just interesting. It's a little bit different style than what I typically typically listen to, but it's great. Nice. So yeah. Oh, and I maybe I'll add that to the Spotify playlist. Actually, I'll make a note and I'll add it. You should. I think I invited you to be a collaborator on that playlist. You did, but I've been busy and haven't done anything with that. Cool. So, but I will. Yeah. So you could check out the Spotify playlist we have. I believe we don't have any followers on it yet, but uh, I don't even follow playlists that I actually listen to stuff off of. So that doesn't necessarily mean anything. All right. Well, in that case, if you choose to be incognito, then then feel free, I guess. And don't yep. follow our playlist. But in any you case, you don't have to. Yeah, we don't. You don't have to. We're not pressuring. We'll just you. judge you if you don't. Right. No pressure. Yeah. So let's see. I think that's really most of what I've been listening to. Um, oh, I noticed something interesting when I was on vacation. We went to a drive-in, and so they had a lot of you know, old music playing. Oh right. And they were playing. Well, one of the songs they were playing was uh, "Lovers Who Wander" by Dion, and I noticed. It has almost exactly the same tune as Run Around Sue, which I'm sure you've heard. No. At some point. Are you sure? I haven't. It doesn't ring a bell, but huh. that okay, doesn't well, mean Okay, you'll have to go listen to it. It's a classic song. Okay. But the interesting thing was I didn't realize immediately that they're both by Dion, and it's one of those cases where like, I listened to both of them back to back, and I think that they're supposed to be connected. Like one song is supposed to lead into the other, even though they're not on the same album. It sounds kind of like, so in the first song, he's talking about how um, he went out with one girl and then figured out that she, while she was going out with him, she was also going out with like every other guy in town. And so his song is just him warning other people not to go out with her. (laughs) Okay. And, you know, it's all about how like he's still in love with her, but, you know, obviously he can't continue dating her. Right. And then uh, Lovers Who Wander sounds like, I'm not 100% sure, but it sounds like it's like the song about how he now he's gotten over her ah wow either that or he just happened to write two completely unrelated songs about similar subjects that have almost exactly the same tune which seems almost too coincidental that is odd so that happens every once in a while do you know of any other cases off the top of your head of that happening where people write songs on separate albums okay because I'm sure you've listened to The Killers, right? No. (laughs) No? Not yet. Really? Yep. Wow. Okay. I I thought you had. Well, so they have a few songs like that, too. Like, uh, Leave the Bourbon on the Shelf and Jenny Was a Friend of Mine, I think, are also connected because Leave the Bourbon on the Shelf is a song where they mention a character called Jenny by name who... In, you know, is dating this one guy and then ends up with another guy. And then Jenny was a friend of mine is a murder ballad. 
about someone named Jenny. So it seems almost too coincidental. Wow. Again. Either that or whoever's writing the songs just really likes the name Jenny and likes to reuse them, which is also possible, but I don't know. I just find it interesting when people do that with where there are songs that tend to connect across albums. It's just interesting. Well, cool. Anyway. Yeah, that is that is really cool. Have you been listening to anything else this past week? Uh, oh, yes. Um, thank you for asking that question because I just remembered the band that I actually wanted to talk about. Bethel Music <laughs> <laughs> was not the one that I wanted to talk about. I thought it was, but but yeah. Okay, so the band that I really to wanted to talk about is uh, the Postal Service. And that is a band... It's actually, uh, it's more of a group. It's not really a band, and they're not together anymore. Um, but it's, I think it ended like in 2008 or 2005 or something like that. Um, but it's a cool band. It's because I didn't remember, I didn't look it up, and I can't really tell you the exact genre. But if you think of uh, something like Owl City, um, and it's, it's not if you like Owl City you might like might like the postal service, but it's not I mean, I say that loosely because it's just not um it's comparable, I guess is is the right word. It's not the same. And it's okay. definitely so not. So it just has a similar style yeah. enough that if you like one you might like the other. Yeah. It's it's not like rock or anything, I don't I wouldn't say. Um it's more digital, electronic. It has a really high level percussion in in the songs it's not mixed um standardly i guess because i know a lot of the songs like i mean generally with a regular song you want to make the vocals prominent you put the percussion in and you mix it so that the vocals are generally what you hear now there are a lot of songs that they kind of squash everything together but this for some reason the postal service likes to put the percussion like way up there like it's like the most the loudest thing you can hear and it's it's like it's kind of weird it's kind of cool i think in a way there's a certain charm about it but it's it's interesting hmm. i'll have to go listen to it it was kind of funny the other day i saw that you said something on twitter about the postal service and how uh, you were going to go like them on facebook or something oh, yeah. to that effect and it was funny because i didn't know that was a band and i was like why would you like the U.S. Postal Service on Facebook? Are you even on Facebook? And then I just kind of let it pass because I was busy doing something else. But that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I already liked it, um, and then I kind of got sad because I had already liked it, and I want to like it again. <laughs> I'll have to go listen to them. I've never listened to them before. That reminds me, though, uh, I have actually listened to another thing this week i listened to josh ritter's new single uh which is getting ready to get down i don't know if you've listened to any josh ritter before never it's very folky it's good stuff okay um the new song is kind of funny because it's kind of criticizing how a lot of people in the south who come from a uh, christian background when they have problem children they think that the best solution is to send them to a Bible college and that never works out quite right. Right. It tends to just cement the rebellion. And so that's kind of what that song is about. And it's amusing. Interesting. And it's a good song too. 
ought to add a link to that one in the description or something because it's good. Or actually, I'll just add it to the playlist. Yeah, that might be easier. I'm making a note so that I actually remember to do that. Okay, cool. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's been about it. Yeah. Anything else? Well, I I was just thinking. Oh, I'm thinking out loud here, but um, I think next time maybe I'll cover some instrumental music just as kind of a something to kind of uh, make just like a change um, in what I usually do because I think we usually generally talk about lyrical music. Um, but there are a lot of good instrumental music out there uh, and artists that that make instrumental music. Um, I'm just so used to listening to instrumental music, I think, from my past that it's just kind of, I kind of glaze over it because it's not really something new, but um, I think it's worth talking about. That sounds like a good idea. That actually reminds me. Have you ever listened to Rhett Butler? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that, that Rhett Butler's an instrumental guitarist, mostly instrumental. Every once in a while, I'll have somebody else sing on his songs. But uh, what's interesting about him is that he plays entirely on the neck of the guitar with like hammer-ons and pull-offs and all that. Right. And it typically sounds like there are multiple people playing guitar. Yeah. And it's really impressive. And so he, sometimes he writes his own stuff, sometimes he covers other things, but it's always interesting to listen to. And it's actually even more interesting to watch. I've seen him in concert a couple times. I remember that. I remember, not in concert, but I remember a long time ago, You, I think you came back from a concert like a few days before I met you again. I saw you again and you were like, I oh, saw so I went to this Red Butler concert and you even told me like some some exercises you could do with like your hands and stuff. I think I have still have some of his sheet music sitting around here somewhere. I'll actually try to learn it again. At the time, like the issue is, it's actually really difficult to do, because, like most hammer ons, you do after you've already hit the note with the pick, and so it's actually kind of difficult to hit it, hit all the notes really hard, or hard enough that you can hear them clearly, without like amping it a lot. So it's it's difficult to make it sound right. It's kind of hard to explain. If you or it's kind of hard to understand if you're not already a guitar player, right? But it's interesting. But he does amp. He does amp the guitar, right? He does. In but concert. the trick is you have to like you can't rely on the amp for the sound from the strings. You just have to use it to increase the sound that's already there. Mm, yeah. So you have to make everything even. Before yes, which it, is the trick. Yeah. And he does it perfectly. But nice. That sometimes he'll play with other people, and that's actually more interesting sometimes we'll have you know people play drums and bass and all that and they'll all play together it's great so another um another artist that you remind me of is andy mckee he's uh he's a. I don't know i'd i'd compare him like like a direct comparison to um brett butler and he does pretty much the same stuff it seems like to what you're talking about i haven't heard a lot of brett butler but i think they're pretty close and similar in style. Huh. It's funny that you say that. Uh, I wonder if they've ever played together before. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. I'll have to look that up sometime. Huh. Maybe we'll have to add some of that to the, uh, the Spotify playlist. Yeah. We need to have like a 
a notes like after the show notes section or something like the yeah, stuff I mean, that's that we what forget I'm right to... now i have a whole i have a whole thing for all the stuff i'm in at so cool i think that's about it for what i've been listening to awesome yeah uh same i think so <laughs> so let's just call the postal service the band of the week although we have so many artists that it's pretty it's like it's kind of hard to say, but I think postal the postal service is something that um, it used to be a thing, and it's not anymore. But I think it's something that is worth listening to just because it's so unique and different. Um, so if I was going to go listen to them right now, which, which I'm not, I'm going to wait until we're done. But if I was going to go to listen to them right now, what song should I listen to first? Um, well, I mean. The song that I usually listen to first is usually the song that's the most popular song of the artist. So, I mean, it's pretty much a no-brainer for me. But uh, if you have trouble picking, uh, if you just want a song title, I'll give you a song title. And that is, ooh, man, I'd say Such Great Heights. Such Great Heights? Such Great Heights, yeah. I'll have to go listen to that. I usually just pick one song and then kind of shuffle the rest after that. But yeah, it's good to have one that everybody knows is good to start with. There's been a couple of cases where I've gone to listen to a band and listened to like their worst song first and I'm like, eh, I don't really care for them. And then somebody's like, no, 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 you got to go listen to this one. And then got to listen to that one. So that's why I always ask. How do you listen to their worst song first? Just hitting shuffle. Uh, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Or sometimes their most popular one is not one that I like, too. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah, I can't think of an, an example off the top of my head, but it's definitely happened before. Well, cool. Sweet. Um, All right. Yeah, so you want to go to the games section of the podcast? Yes. So have you been playing any games this week? So... Um, Last time I talked about Space Team, right? Or no? Uh, I talked about Space Team. You, you talked about Space it Team. last time. So yeah. I had not told you about Space Team. Okay. It is a great game. Um, I played with my sister. Um, we played for a while. It was... It is not a... How would I say? It's not a... Um, the game is not a game that you want to like you can beat very there's i don't think there's any way to beat the game i think it's just how far can you go right yes it just gets more difficult the further you go it's an ios game by the way for anyone listening who doesn't know what it is okay so space team do you want to just give the overview or sure okay so i think cool. we talked about it a little bit last time but yeah. space team is a uh, four person local multiplayer game on iphone so each person has their own phone and the way it works is each person gets a control panel with you know switches and dials and buttons, and they're all labeled with various techno babble. So, and they also get instructions. The way it works is you're all on a ship, and you're trying to make it through different zones or sectors, I guess. And the way you do that is each person gets a set of instructions on the screen. And they have to uh, yell those instructions out. And whoever has the controls that the instructions say to manipulate has to do it. But the trick is, 
everybody gets instructions at the same time, so they're all yelling it out at the same time, and nobody knows who has what controls. So you're just kind of yelling it, and you're trying to listen to three different people yell at you while yelling at the same time and figure out which set of instructions applies to you, and you're trying to do all this stuff, and every once in a while you'll have like a wormhole, and then when there's a wormhole, everybody has to flip their phones and stuff like that. Yeah, so basically it's it's extremely... Um... It's a very active teamwork game. And it's great for long car rides, actually. That sounds... I mean, I guess if the people driving are okay with you yelling in the back, then yes. Well, that's say, true. Yeah. If, you're, if they're not, then I'd say probably not because it is a pretty... It gets pretty intense. Like, you know, there's like a... If there's a wormhole, you flip your phone. If there's a um, an asteroid then you have to like shake your phone and um but yeah so i played it and it was it was pretty good we played i think we played for like at least half an hour it started to get a little boring um after we died like a few times uh, but you know it just because it's just it seemed like the the game design was the concept was really great but the design was just not quite quite there it's better with four people, and the further you get in, the more it starts to change up. You have to get pretty far in before things start to get really interesting. Like the goo or the the warping screens and stuff? Yes, and then there's stuff like um, the controls get really weird, and they start using only symbols, and so you have to start trying to describe the symbols, and just stuff gets even crazier the further you get. Wow. I don't remember what all was there, because it was... see. It's 2015 now, so it's been two and a half years since I've played it. So it's been a while. Yeah. It's a good game, though. It is a good game. I'd recommend it. Yep. And it's so free. Plenty... So. Well, it is free. Yeah, that's true. Have you been playing anything else? Mm. No, not really. We should talk about Skyrim, I think. I don't know if you have it. I do have Skyrim. Yeah, that would be good. I mean, if you're open to talking about that. I've never played the game, but I've heard a lot about it. Oh, so you haven't played the game? I've not, no. Okay, I assumed since you were bringing it up that you'd played it. Yeah. You should. So, yeah, Skyrim is interesting. Skyrim's a, or it's an RPG, kind of. It's an open world RPG. It's in third person, and it's in a fantasy world. And I guess the interesting thing about the game is kind of exploring the world, doing different quests, getting different sets of armor, going through dungeons and all that. It's an alright game. It's been a while since I've played it. I think, so if I'm going to play a game like that, I typically prefer uh, something like Fallout New Vegas, which is a very similar style, but with a different theme, I guess. What have you heard about Skyrim that made you want to talk about it? Um, I've not heard a lot of objective, like, concrete things about it. I've just heard uh, snippets here and there that it, it's a really good game. And then we were playing uh, Lord of the Rings Online with uh, Garrett and my, my other friends. Um, and they mentioned that... 
the game was like better in many ways than Lord of the Rings Online. So I thought, you know, I just, I kind of like, I've never played a lot of MMOs before. So um, something like Lord of the Rings Online didn't, I mean, it's it's a great game, but it's it didn't really, something about it that didn't really uh, catch my interest really that well it's just i mean i like playing it with i like playing games with friends that's really why i do it i don't play the game just for the sake of playing the game but you know something like portal for example i mean it's not really an mmo but like i i'll play the game just to play the game it's not it's not like i have to have some kind of other reason to play the game um yeah so lord of the rings online is kind of like borderlands for me like I wouldn't play it by myself. Like, I played it by myself a little bit to catch up to where you guys were, but it's not something I would ever choose to play just for the sake of playing the game because it's really not that good of a game. Like, it's not terrible. It's competent. Yeah. But that's about the best I can say about it. It's just not fun by yourself. Yeah. With other people, it's great. But only because you're playing with other people. And you can say that about pretty much any game. Um, So I guess Lord of the Rings Online and Skyrim aren't really comparable just because... Skyrim is not an MMO at all and doesn't really there's not really anything in common I mean technically they're both RPGs but they're both completely different kinds of RPGs you do level up in Skyrim but not in the same way you level up in an MMO you're not grinding it's just you kind of get levels over time and all of the enemy strengths in the entire game scale to your level Mm, so which is actually something I don't like about it because no matter what level you are the basic enemy will always be the same. It'll be just as difficult to defeat. Oh, uh, wow. And that also becomes a problem because if you don't level properly, well, basically it encourages you to min-max. Where So you have three different basic stats you can level up, which are health, stamina, and then mana. Or magic or something. I forget exactly what they call it. And the first time I played through the game, I leveled them. I put a point in each and did that consistently. So by the time I got to the end game, I was underleveled in everything because I leveled it evenly. Like you need to put all your points into only two of those at maximum. Uh, Otherwise, everything else has a lot more health than you, a lot more stamina, and can use magic a ton more than you can. And I mean, there's stuff like skill trees and stuff that evens it out, but I don't know. That's one of the things I don't like about the way that it leveling works the other thing is one of the things i miss which is not in new games as much but i mean i was playing i played a little bit of doom this week and it kind of reminded me of this it's not an rpg but still the same principle applies it used to be and this still happens sometimes but it used to be that you would meet an enemy at the beginning of the game and that enemy would be pretty difficult to kill but as you get more powerful and as you get better weapons and get better at playing the game that enemy becomes easy to kill. And by the time you reach the end of the game, you can kill them like that, like nothing. Right. So in Doom, the bosses at the end of the first episode become common enemies, well, relatively common enemies by the end of the game. Like there's two of them, and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to beat these guys. And then at the end of the game, you run into a room full of 10 of them and take them out like nothing. Because <laughs> you know how to fight them. Right. And that's, you know, you learn. And so that's something I miss, because in stuff like Skyrim, you fight every enemy the same way. The combat is pretty bland. 
and every enemy is just as easy to defeat at the beginning as is at the end, and just as hard to defeat. So, I mean, Skyrim's great just because of the, I guess, like, the story elements and the exploration, but, you know, the combat is not its strong point. Hmm. Yeah, that's the only, that's the only thing I can see as a, a reason why they would make it that way is just because they wanted to put the focus on the storyline and, and that kind of stuff. Well, and they're building off of multiple games. I mean, Skyrim is, I think, the fifth game like that. And so they've been, they're kind of iterating. So it's not, I feel like if they designed a game from scratch and designed all their systems from scratch, that might not be the way that they would design it now. Uh, some of it's stuff that's based on some fairly old designs. Still a good game, but you know, there are things I don't like about it. So what about the, um, the multiplayer version of Skyrim? It's called something different. I forget what the name is, but. So I've never played that because there's no official multiplayer version of Skyrim. There's a, a mod and I don't remember what the name is. Uh, let me see. Uh, Yeah, it's called Tamriel Online, I think. Maybe. That's it's that's one mod that lets you do that at least. Um the issue with that is that you have to install uh two or three other mods first. And then it's only over LAN, I think. There was an MMO that that I remember hearing about that wasn't, it was a. There is, it's Elder Scrolls Online, which right. is kind of based on Skyrim. The issue with that, I haven't played it, but I've heard people discuss it a lot. And from what I've heard, they try, they were trying to strike a balance between something like WoW and very, very MMO style things and something that felt like Skyrim. And so at some point along the way, they figured out they couldn't do both. And so they had to lean one way or the other. And so they ended up leaning fairly heavily in these, the uh, wow direction. And so it ended up becoming a very, very bland MMO. Hmm. So, you know, if we were all to go play that together sometime, just because as a group, it might be fun. Just like Lord of the Rings Online is fun, but yeah. I wouldn't go play it by myself. So what would you play by yourself? What that would be a good question. Uh, as far as MMOs go, the only one I've played by myself for an extended period of time was uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic, and that was just because of the story mainly. And I quit at like level thirty-five, and I've tried to pick it back up again, but it's just not like it slows down a lot and becomes just like every other MMO. Yeah, and it's okay, but you know, uh, as far as stuff that I normally play by myself, I I tend to play more single-player things by myself. <laughs> Who to thunk it? But. Uh, so this week I played, or I've been playing Blues and Bullets, um, just whenever I had a chance. And I, I feel like I mentioned it before. Do you remember? Yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah, so Blues and Bullets, for the listeners, if you don't remember, is a noir-themed, uh, I guess, narrative-based game, third-person narrative-based game with some alt-history elements. I can't say what those are without spoiling details, but it's a really good game. It's interesting because the, yeah, just for the art style alone, it's black and white with red accents, kind of like Sin City. And it's great. 
there's not a whole lot I can say about it without spoiling major plot points, but the first episode took me about two hours. But there's supposed to be, I think, four more. You can get the first episode for like $5 or something. It's definitely worth it. It's cheaper than a movie ticket <laughs> for what it's worth. Nice. But I tend to play stuff like that, or I tend to go back and play Doom a lot because it's just good. Speaking of which, we should play that together sometime because Doom still has, I mean, there's still a way to play a multiplayer and you can just play through the whole single player multiplayer. Really? And there's loads and loads and loads of mods. I probably have 80 different maps on my computer uh, only some of which I've even played. Wow. It's because so many people made maps for that. I even tried to make a couple maps. I don't think I ever ended up releasing them, but they were some of them. Oh, one of them, at least, I'm actually kind of proud of. Sweet. So we should play that sometime. We should, yeah. Um, and it's it's real inexpensive. Cool. I think. How much actually is that? I'm looking it up. Just to explain the uh, silence. It is four ninety nine. Wow, that's breaking the bank there. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, so four ninety nine for a, I mean, a couple hours if you're playing it on easy, which is nothing. And then if you factor in the fact that there are loads and loads and loads of mods, then it's great. And so the complete the complete classic Doom pack, which is Doom, Doom 2, Final Doom, Master Levels for Doom 2, it's 15 bucks, And so that's, you know, 8, 10, 20 hours for 15 bucks. It's not bad at all. Actually, I don't even think I've beaten Final Doom and the Master Levels for Doom 2, just because they weren't really my style, as far as the design goes. But Doom and Doom 2 have both. So Doom I've probably beaten 20 times. Doom 2 I've beaten, you know, 5 or 6 times. They're both great. Nice. Or you can get the QuakeCon bundle for $100. Which actually is probably a pretty good deal. It's Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, Fallout 2, Fallout Tactics, Fallout a post-nuclear role-playing game, Wolfenstein, The New Order, Wolfenstein, The Old Blood. Actually, that's a great deal. And Skyrim, and The Evil Within, and Dishonored, and Doom 3, and Quake 3, and Quake 2... Quake 1, Doom 2, Final Doom, Ultimate Doom, Quake 4, Quake 3. Which would cost $483 separately. <laughs> so that's actually a really good deal. That is a good deal. If I didn't own most of those things, I might buy that. Nice. Well, to put that in perspective, it's 100 bucks, and Wolfenstein The New Order alone costs 60 Yeah. So. For those, like, three people that have $100 to spare... There you go. <laughs> and that's on Steam, by the way. Yep. Steam it is. Yeah, pretty much all the games we talk about are available on Steam, right? Yes. I tend to buy things on Steam just because I have so many things on Steam. It makes it easy to install. But it's actually a lot of times better to buy stuff from GOG. Because Steam, you know, it's just logged into Steam for the most part. If you buy something on Steam, you can only play it through Steam. You can only download it through Steam. But if you get something on GOG, which is good old games, you can download the files, keep them, do whatever you want with them, and just copy it to however many computers and all that. It's great. And most of the prices tend to be about the same, and they run good sales. So, uh, related to Steam, as far as like gaming news goes, what do we have in order for that? 
Oh, I don't know about Steam. There's been a handful of things that have happened. Actually, so I don't remember most of them. One of the uh, one of the things I definitely noticed was, ha- did you happen to see the cover of the Time magazine that had to do with VR? Because it was kind of a disaster. I didn't. Okay. I'm going to link you this real fast so we can talk about it because you kind of have to see it. All right. It's uh, yeah, interesting. Let's check it out. So the, I'm looking at an article right now because I pulled it back up so I could remember it and so I could send it to Zachary on giantbomb.com, which is a great <laughs> website for gaming news and videos and all sorts of stuff. It's great. And their podcast is amazing too. Um, so... What I'm refer- the time cover I'm referring to is a few weeks back, in August, yeah, towards the beginning of August, the August 17th issue of Time Magazine featured Palmer Lucky from Oculus uh, wearing the Oculus Rift, and you kind of have to see it to, <laughs> to, to appreciate how ridiculous it looks. <laughs> they didn't do a very good job of painting VR in a... Um, good light i guess it yeah because it makes him look completely ridiculous it does well how do you my question is how do you paint it in a good good light you know how would you like take not like that (laughs) So the the best way to do it is show somebody actually using it and it's really i guess that's kind of the challenge that vr faces i guess is that it's really hard to show somebody vr without handing them a vr headset saying put this on and take and you know just experience it. You know, stuff like, you know, normal games on a screen, you can just show them a video of it. But, mm-hmm. And you can kind of show somebody a video of VR, but they can't actually understand just by looking at it what it's like. Right. I mean, I actually have an Oculus right here. And using it is amazing, but I didn't know anything about it until I tried it at, a, at GDC. And the level of immersion is amazing. But it's really hard to explain that to somebody. And so I guess people were afraid when they saw the, the Time Magazine cover that we would be kind of setting the public's expectations, you know, and just saying, uh, this is this thing is ridiculous. Because it's kind of the picture that it paints is that it's just ridiculous. And it, I mean, in a sense, it is. I mean, you're strapping a screen to your face with some lenses and then just, you know, moving your head around looking like an idiot. <laughs> but, you know, that's not the way to present VR, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to sell an experience in the first place in general, right? Because, you know, BMW does that kind of a thing. Um, it's the experience. It's not like, it's they're not like putting specifications out there and saying, well, look look at how good our car is. The commercials are all pointing toward like, you know, the BMW experience, whatever whatever it feels like to drive their car. And this is kind of the same thing, right? In a sense, yes. Although, you know, it's a lot easier to just show up at a dealership and, you know, try driving a BMW around than it is to find a VR headset because none of them are even on the market yet. Are they not? And I guess people are kind of afraid that this would, you know, torpedo people's chances of even wanting to try it, which I'm not sure that's entirely accurate because I, who reads time anyway? (laughs) Not me. Wait, why are they not on the market yet? They're still in development. Like, so I have one and one of the things they're still struggling with is motion sickness. So... 
playing something like Elite Dangerous, which is a game where you're entirely in a ship, and so the entire game you're sitting in a chair in the virtual world and in the real world. So there's no motion sickness issue because you're just turning your head in the game, and it's one-to-one with what you're doing in real life. So there's no issue. But I've also tried playing Half-Life 2 with a VR headset. I can only play for about an hour before I started feeling sick. Played for another 30 minutes while feeling sick, and then I just had to quit. And it was it was great, but it's you know it's just not there yet. Wait, so motion motion sickness is from the actual uh, the screen, or is it from like turning your head around a bunch? Well, it's from the fact that things in the in the game. Well, it's a mixture of things. One, it's that the refresh rate on the screen is not you know it's not what you see in real life and so that messes with you a little bit and then it's also the fact that you're making movements in the real world and those don't always match one-to-one in the game world and then on top of that with something like half-life 2 your run speed feels fine when you're looking at a screen when you put the headset on you realize that your run speed is like 40 miles an hour uh and then that'll make you feel sick because it feels wrong yeah it's kind of like um, whenever you, you know, uh, get on one of those things at parks that spins around. I forget, I'm forgetting the name of them right now. But and you, and you spin around a ton. Yeah. And then you're kind of looking outside and all you can see is a blur and it really messes with you because it doesn't, you can't process the amount of information you're looking at. That's exactly what it feels like. Huh. Except that, you know, you get that feeling on one of those in a few seconds and this takes, you know, maybe an hour. Valve claims to have that theirs doesn't produce that feeling at all, but I haven't tried theirs. So I don't know. It's getting there though, and the other the other issue is the resolution. So, the I have the Oculus Rift DK two, and so that one's 1080p, but each eye is only looking at a portion of that 1080p screen, and so you get the screen door effect, which basically means that you can see the pixels, but it's it's like you're looking through a screen door. So you can kind of see the black lines as if you're looking through the mesh of a screen door and and then looking through the rest of the world. So it's, it, I don't find it to be all that immersion breaking, but it is weird and not ideal. Right. And then on top of that, there's the kind of power that you have to have to run one of those. So they're working on one for uh, PS4 and stuff like that. It's Project Morpheus, which supposedly works pretty well, but... Up until recently, you had to have a pretty decent PC to even be able to run one of these things. Oh, because oh, wow! So it's it's oh, there's no internal graphics card then. No, that would I mean that would raise the cost of it even more, and on top of that, everything's going through USB, so you can only get so much speed out of that. You can't. So far, nobody's been able to come up with a graphics card that works over USB at decent speeds. And so the issue is your internal graphics card in your computer has to render everything twice, once for each eye, and has to keep them synced. Wow. So if you have a decent PC, it's no problem, but if you don't, good luck. Although I've seen where people run them off laptops, but still. They're working on it. It's getting there, but the, you know that's the main reason why, or that's one of the main reasons why it's not on the market yet. Within the next few years, though, there'll be stuff out, but, you know, we have to be careful because people tried to do VR before, and the thing is, if you lose the hype before it even comes out, then nobody's going to buy it. Right. But I th- I kind of think that's not going to be a problem, even with stuff like the Time magazine cover and all that. Well, it's hard. It, I mean, if, if it is something that truly is 
amazing and cool, you know, like the iPhone, for example, or the iPod, I should say, um, then it doesn't matter if it loses hype. You know, we, we saw the Palm Pilot, you know, I mean, it was kind of different than the iPod, but the concept was you have something that has a touch screen and that totally didn't do as like as well as they expected it. It did really poorly, actually. And then we saw the iPod, which was specifically for music, but it just like took off. So I don't even think like I mean, I can see where like the interests would would matter. But I think, you know, if if the developers do get something that truly is great, I don't think it it'll matter if people like don't like it at first. I'm hoping it won't. I, you know, it, it just may be the kind of thing where maybe it's not the Oculus that makes it big, or maybe it's not the Morpheus that makes it big. Maybe only one of them does, or maybe somebody far down the line is, makes one that's great. It'll be interesting to see, though. The, the only issue is that, like, with the iPhone, you can just show someone, you can just hand somebody one, or they can even just look at it and they understand what's so great about having an iPhone. Like, you, you know, just from an Apple commercial, you can tell. It's kind of like the BMW thing. They're selling the experience of using an iPhone. Not the fact that you have a phone. I mean, everybody had a phone. Right. Mostly. But it was the experience of using it. And so that's the only issue is that we basically what people are going to have to do is be able to sell the experience of VR. And I think the way they're going to do that is by showing up at shows, having booths, and having people try the things. And then there's stuff like Gear VR, which is a VR headset that your phone plugs into. It uses your phone screen. So stuff like that's really great because, you know, you can leave that in your bag. It's real small. And, you know, your friend's like, hey, I heard about this VR thing. Do you have one? And you're like, yeah, I've got this Gear VR thing. Here, try a demo right now. Stuff like that will help a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, with like with a lot of the things we've talked about, like with the Steam and stuff like that, you just have to wait and see. Boy. So I did remember a couple more things, by the way. Okay, cool. Um, so do you know who Konami is? I don't. So Konami is a company that a uh, publisher that's published a bunch of games, uh, among them Metal Gear Solid being one of the major ones. And um, they're also known for not being a great company in general and for uh, generally just not being good with customers, I guess. So recently a report came out that said that or said a bunch of really interesting things about the company as far as how they deal with their employees. Um, so according to Giant Bomb, again, because they're a great website, so that's where I'm getting my information from right now. I mean, it's This is kind of all over, though. Uh, game developers there are monitored on and off-site. They don't have internet access or personal email accounts and are punitively reassigned from development roles to positions in security and maintenance sometimes. <laughs> so basically the way that works is when they don't need somebody anymore, they move somebody who is a, you know, a skilled laborer, you know, a programmer, and they say, okay, we don't really need you anymore, or you didn't do a very good job on the last project, so you're going to clean toilets now. Wow. Which, so from what I've heard, you know, Japanese companies tend to reassign people instead of firing them because it's just, you know, culturally, they don't like to fire people. But typically, they don't make them go from writing code to cleaning toilets usually they reassign them roughly on the same level right yeah wow (laughs) so that's kind of been making the rounds on the internet because it's 
It's a little little sketchy. Uh, they're also kept constantly kept under surveillance with camera systems, not for security reasons, but as a measure meant to keep workers efficient and productive by reminding them that they're under close watch. Wow. That's like... So, so this is all allegedly, that. by the way. I should add that. But Okay. But still, I mean, that's... Yeah. That's still sketchy. It reminds me of the... I don't think they still... I don't think they still do this, but the Ford Motor Company, um, when it first started years and years and years ago, uh, I was watching a documentary about it a long time ago, and um, they did kind of the similar thing. It was big. I mean, it was a big uh, assembly line, but they had, like, people posted everywhere just to make sure that workers weren't, like, wasting time. And, you know, even in the bathrooms and stuff, it was, it was pretty pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, there's a line between, you know, managing your employees and then just interfering with their lives, I guess. And I think the Konami thing crosses that line pretty clearly and makes it difficult for them to do their job on top of it. Yeah. But I mean, I guess there's not a whole lot to say about it. Then that's (laughs) don't do that. (laughs) Don't be Konami. So yeah, I guess, yeah, there's not much else to say about that. Um, another thing which we missed last week, um, which I should have remembered, just forgot, is that uh, Ouya, which was a small Android console, which I actually backed, I have one sitting not three feet away from me, uh, in a box, oh, sweet, <laughs> which says a lot, um, was acquired by Razer. And I guess this is... Interesting, not because of, you know, because they were acquired, but because of some of the implications. So they kind of almost went out of business because they released it. It was going to be a revolution. You know, it was an open console and everybody could write stuff for it. And it was going to be the next big thing. And uh, it was kind of cool. But the problem is that it ran everything that was on phones and ran some things that were on PCs and stuff and other consoles, but just ran it worse than everything else. It just the whole the whole experience was not very good. Yeah. Um, one of the other things about it was that let's see if I can find the the source for this, but they they had a a fund, and I'm trying to remember the name of it, but basically the idea was that the people who made Uya would um, take whatever money you had for, you got from crowdfunding and match it if your Kickstarter campaign was successful. So basically, if you made $50,000 on Kickstarter, they would give you fifty thousand, another $50,000, like up to a million dollars or something wow. like that. Um, and the issue is that not everybody had gotten all of their money when they were acquired by Razor. And so if you didn't get all of your money, you now get nothing. <laughs> Which, that's what happens, but still. Yeah, because, I see. That's kind of sad, though. Yeah. Hmm. So, Razer is a, Razer is a phone company, or what? Uh, no, you're thinking of the Motorola Razer, which was a phone. But Razer makes uh, keyboards, and I think game controllers, and... 
according to their website, Razer is the world leader in high-performance gaming hardware, software, and systems. Okay. I've never heard so, of it, so I don't know. Really? Yeah. So they make mice. I, I don't have anything by them just because I don't like spending large amounts of money on hardware that I don't, I'm not going to use all that much, but it's, yeah, they sell computers, peripherals, all sorts so of stuff. So it's one of those high-end companies. E, well, kind of, yeah. So their hardware is not necessarily the best, but it's the flashiest at least. <laughs> the flashiest. So like, we're talking the Apple of, of game, no, gaming. No, because most of Apple stuff is like, on a technical in a technical sense you get what you pay for and well i i won't i won't say that razor stuff you don't get what you pay for but you can find you can find a keyboard that's actually you know i would prefer the keyboard that i have now to a razor keyboard and i wouldn't you know i might spend a ton of money on a windows pc but i'm not going to prefer that to a mac just because of the there's there are certain hardware things that make it technically better so you could probably spend like two hundred dollars on a razor keyboard. Uh well let's see. Let's let's see how much they actually cost. Um Okay, so they have one called the Black Widow Chroma, which is a mechanical keyboard that has lights in it and all sorts of stuff. And let's see. Let's see how much one of these costs. If it will let me go all the way through. It's doing a bunch of flashy animation. Oh, here it is. A buy now, buy now button. Okay. So in the United States, the Razer Black Widow Chroma keyboard, it's $169. Nice. To put that in perspective, the keyboard I use all the time, which is the Apple keyboard, just to you know, go back to Apple, is right, at the time it was $80, brand new, which is kind of expensive for a keyboard. Yeah. So it's a lot of money for about the same experience. But then again, that's from the perspective of somebody who's, who doesn't use Razer keyboards. So there may be, may be people that use them that feel like they're actually better. Yeah. I don't know. It seems to be a bit more subjective. Yeah. I mean, if you have the money, then great. I don't know. Uh, I'd, personally their mice tend to be about the same price too uh anywhere from you know 60 bucks to 150 or so yeah so i mean i guess the the upshot of that whole thing is that um they're they may end up making their own console based on the booyah and they may actually do it right which would be kind of cool but i don't know it's it seems like a good good partnership from what i hear it could be We'll see. It's another wait and see thing. Yeah. Actually, really, I mean, everything in this industry is wait and see. Seems like it. <laughs> it doesn't seem like there is a whole lot of consistency in that industry. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's always changing. So, as far as like Valve goes and things like that, you know, is is there anything new with that or? Not that I know of. Um, they, I mean, they don't tend to announce new things very frequently, but I mean, as far as I know, the main thing they're working on is still the... I mean, they're doing some VR stuff, and then they're working on the Dota 2 graphics update. Other than that, not a whole lot. 
but yeah. Um, I feel like I might be missing something, but I think that's about it. And we're coming up on the end of the podcast, so do you have any other thoughts before we go? Well, I was wondering, and this might be like kind of, I don't know, unexpected, but like, is there, are there any uh, plans for you, Jordan, as a, like a developer or programmer to develop any games? Not at the moment. It's something I've been thinking about for a while, but I've been kind of, uh, you know, taking a break from most of that stuff because I've, you know, I have an actual day job and I've been focusing on that mostly. I've been thinking about getting a little back into it a little bit. Um, I have a few ideas, but nothing, uh, I have nothing to announce at this time as a company would say. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe we'll see something in the future. Cool. Uh, I'd like for us to work on our project sometimes, something music related, but I don't have an idea off the top of my head. We'll have to, that uh, would be fun. We'll have to talk about it. So, yeah. Sweet. Uh, I think that about wraps it up. All right. So, thanks for listening. And, uh, oh, yeah. So, if people want to find you and the things that you do, Zachary, where can they do that? So, um, I'd say the best place to find me is on Twitter um, because I generally post a lot of random stuff, but important stuff too. Um, you can check my Twitter page out at Twitter or Twitter. My handle is at Zachary Um, you could probably find any other social media you're interested from there. And what about you, Jordan? Uh, so if you want to fo- follow me on Twitter, my username is Lytle Jordan, L Y T L E J O R D A N. And other than that, that's pretty much the only place to find me right now. Uh, if you want to listen to more episodes of this podcast, go to collectednonsense.com. Um, we've been a bit off schedule. The This episode, the last episode, will probably be released fairly close to each other. And, you know, we've been off for a few weeks, but we will hopefully be back on to releasing episodes every Thursday over the next month and for the foreseeable future. So thanks for listening. Yeah. Take care. And I'll talk to you next week.